As we head into this series of loving our neighbor, what we're going to do is we're going to go to Luke chapter 4. If you got your Bible, you can head there. Uh, we'll be there in a little bit. Um, but some of, the passage, uh, some of this passage, actually most of it, Jesus was actually uh, reading a passage from uh, the book of Isaiah in a synagogue. And in the passage it says, Jesus said, the Spirit has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. It's kind of a foreshadow of his entire ministry, you could say. The Spirit coming upon him and in him sharing this, this good news with all the people that he would, would meet with. You could say, too, it's a foreshadowing of, of what's going to come later when, when he breathes the Spirit upon his disciples and sends them out. It's a foreshadowing of what we talked about last week with the aid of, of Pastor Denhan, how the Spirit came down with power upon the, the disciples that they would fulfill the, the mission that God had for them. That they would preach the good news. That they would be able to teach what Jesus had commanded them that they would be able to baptize and and see the church of Jesus Christ grow. And as we start thinking about this foreshadowing and this idea of the Spirit coming upon Jesus and the Spirit coming upon us and sending us out into this mission, before we get to this passage, I want to invite us to think about exaggerations. Has anyone heard of something being exaggerated ever? Some hands, more chuckling, right? Um, We have an opportunity or times where we get in contact with people and, and they exaggerate what happened. Like, I'm pretty sure my dad exaggerated when he said that he walked to school in the snow uphill both ways. Yeah. Right? It's exaggerations. Or maybe I exaggerate when I say, Steve called me on it this morning, that the Milwaukee Brewers are the best team in baseball. Right? Maybe that's not quite the case. Or maybe we exaggerate when we say, last night I went out to dinner with friends and I had the best hamburger I have ever had. It was great. I, I, was, I was at this restaurant and I saw the list of the burgers that were there and there was this one in particular that was a veggie burger. And I said, wow, that looks interesting because it's got goat cheese on it. It's got guacamole. And so I said, well, can we put actual real meat on that instead of the vegetarian one? Right? The best hamburger ever. Or or maybe I'd, I'd come up to James and I'd say, James, you know, Joe Bonamassa is the best blues guitarist ever. And he wouldn't be able to respond because he knows that's the truth. Or maybe it's an exaggeration. I don't know. I actually had that written down in my sermon before you even talked about it this morning, by the way. I'd just like to say that. Exaggerating. Exaggerating events. Exaggerating things we experience. Exaggerating things the things that we see and go through. And I think there were some people 
who thought Jesus was actually exaggerating what he was saying. And maybe you'll, you'll see and, and get the idea when we, when we read this passage. So the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 14. Tracy, if you wouldn't mind going through, the, through those slides as we read, that'd be great. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone was praising him. Everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood to read. And the, uh, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened to him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Perhaps if, if you grew up in church, if you know anything about who Jesus is, this passage doesn't quite seem like much of an exaggeration, right? The person of Jesus, and perhaps if you've read one of the Gospels, what's, what's, what's taught in there, what's, what's, what's presented in there would, would, would go on to say, yeah, that's, that's the truth. Jesus does go on to preach good news. He, he does go on to, to heal the sick. He does go on to give sight to the blind, not just one person, but multiple he, he does actually even go on to raise others from the dead. He, he comes back from the dead himself. He ascends to heaven. Well, surely, yes, the Spirit of the Lord is upon him that he would preach good news to the poor, that he would set the captives free, that he would give sight to the blind. When we, when we meet Jesus and we find out about him, we want to say, yes, yes, that sounds about right. Jesus is fulfilling the passage in Isaiah. But I also want you to imagine this in just a little bit different way. Put yourself in your shoes right now. Right? Your own perspective, your own understanding about how the world works, your own understanding of our country and all of the other countries in the world. Imagine if someone stood up and read this. Imagine a world where there's no need for Medicare Part A or B insurance. Imagine a world where there's, in fact, no health insurance whatsoever. 
This is a world where families are cared for from the time they're born until they rest their head. All of their health care needs are met. Imagine a world where medicine prices were lower because greed has ceased. Imagine a world where anyone and everyone is employed, but not just with any job. Everyone has meaningful and fulfilling work that makes them feel productive, empowered, and valued. Imagine a world where opioid addictions never happen, where abuse of alcohol and other drugs does not take place. Imagine a world where all addictions have ceased and there's no need for any recovery groups. Imagine a world where there's no broken down homes or displaced people groups. For each home has been fixed and modified and upgraded. It's a world where the word homelessness doesn't exist. Imagine a world where healthy foods are prominently displayed and readily available. Only the best and healthiest tasty foods are on the shelves at grocery stores. Imagine those beautiful honey crisp apples as you bite into them. The green leafy spinach that tastes so good. Imagine a world where that healthy food that you don't like somehow magically tastes like chocolate. Imagine a world where broccoli, cauliflower, and peas taste like delicious dark chocolate, Reese's peanut butter cups, and Snickers. If that was the case, we would have tons of cauliflower in the uh, community garden. What if a person went on to say all of those things and after all of those grand promises and in huge dreams and, and big thoughts, they went on to say, today in your hearing, that is fulfilled. It would seem like an exaggeration, wouldn't it? It would seem like knowing what I know about the world today, knowing what I know about society and in the issues of, of homelessness and in food shortages and food issues around the world, knowing what I know about how cauliflower actually tastes, no offense if you like it, knowing what I know about the world, I'm pretty sure I would have noticed if homelessness ceased. I'm pretty sure I would have noticed if everyone's health care needs are cared for. I'm pretty sure I would have noticed if somehow I didn't need to pay for that insurance. I'm pretty sure I would have noticed. Pretty sure I would have noticed if people weren't on street corners. Pretty sure I would have noticed if the unemployment rate was at 0% worldwide. I'm sure I would have noticed. I'm sure the media would have noticed as well, and, and we would have read articles about it. I'm sure we would have heard about it on the, on the radio, on television, on the podcasts that we listen to. And although the while the people in the synagogue are thinking, I'm pretty sure I would have noticed Jesus. I'm pretty sure I would have noticed if prisoners were being set free. I'm I'm pretty sure I would have noticed if 
blind people are all of a sudden being able to see, I'm pretty sure I would have noticed. They didn't see the flashy things happening. They didn't, they didn't see it happening. It was, they would have assumed it would have taken place like that. Like it was snap of a finger, all of a sudden, all prisoners are released. All people who have, uh, have, have been blind have now been given sight. All of those things would have become true in that one moment. But for them, they still saw people in prison. They still saw people being led because they were blind. They still saw oppression. So what Jesus was saying today in your hearing, this is fulfilled, it just didn't match up. But as uh, Pastor Scott Jose writes, the kingdom Jesus was proclaiming and ushering in was not going to be flashy. Jesus was not interested in parlor tricks and miracles on demand. He wasn't interested in worldly authority and being hailed as the new Caesar. He wasn't interested in making angels appear out of thin air. He was interested in the Word of God, in serving God quietly, in letting God's slow kingdom coming remain a hidden phenomenon. God's kingdom wasn't going to come in in a flashy way. Today, in your hearing, this is fulfilled. Didn't mean there was going to be this flash that went over all of the world, making all of those things come true in that day. It wasn't going to be the fullness of God's kingdom in one instant. Well, at least not yet. Just because the memo had been written, just because there is a new textbook for the way that we ought to live and and guide our life, it wasn't going to happen in an instant. So the people didn't experience what Jesus was saying right away. They didn't see it. It didn't match up with their worldview. So how is Jesus going to do this? This ushering in this slow kingdom coming? Well, he was going to do it through his self-sacrificial, self-giving love. God sent Jesus not only to redeem hearts, but to restore lives and to rebuild trust. It wouldn't be flashy. It wouldn't be exciting. It wouldn't be something that would be told around the world in perhaps an instant. Instead, it would begin to happen through Jesus' self-giving, self-sacrificing love through each individual person He would meet with. It would begin relationship by relationship as Jesus embodied and began to live out this self-giving, self-sacrificial love to all those people He would encounter. 
So how would he live? Well, if we'd continue in through the book of Luke, Jesus left and immediately began restoring people's lives. He heals a man who was bound by a demon. <coughs> Excuse me. Setting him free. Freeing someone who is, is captive by that demon. He would, he would go into a home and heal someone who had a fever. He would go on to continue to restore someone's life various people as He would meet them. Restore their life not only to Himself and and in the world, but to restore their life to God. He would go on to call out and build a team of 12 people. I assume that if you would go and you'd build this team to fulfill this, this prophecy where the whole world would be changed that you would go grab the biggest movers and shakers you could in the world. But not so for Jesus. In reality, the 12 disciples were not really that significant. They were were not the most amazing people. They were not the most prominent politicians. They were not the most sought-after entrepreneurs or, or business leaders. Jesus just called 12 available people. Available people who were willing to obey and follow Jesus to learn more about that self-giving, self-sacrificing love that Jesus was going to change the world with. All part of His non-flashy kingdom coming. The slow kingdom coming, impacting the world. We often read stories about Jesus where, yeah, he's, he's preaching to 5,000 people or 3,000 people, and that's just the men. So there's even more. And, and, when, and we read about these large miracles that affect people on a, a grand scale as he's in this boat and he calms the storm. And there was all these other boats around that witnessed that. Or, or as he fed these 5,000 plus people and everyone witnessed that. But, but more so, the impact of Jesus' ministry happened in the relationships, in the individual, ordinary, seemingly ordinary moments. Moments in people's homes. As he would would be welcomed into people's homes or as he invited himself in some cases. The home of Zacchaeus. The home of uh, Simon's mother. There's a a crowded house where the four people lower their friend. There's Mary and Martha's house. There's Jairus' house. There's those ordinary moments when Jesus enters those small towns and villages and, and people call out to Him. There's, there's moments where at, in the day he, he goes to this well and meets a woman and develops a relationship with her. The ordinary moments where Jesus Himself experiences and sees the brokenness of humanity. As Jesus slowly works, bringing that slow kingdom coming to fruition by restoring people to God and restoring their life 
one relationship at a time through his self-sacrificial love, which is probably the deepest secret of God's slow-coming kingdom. It wasn't going to come to fruition through competition. It wasn't going to come to fruition through, through control. Jesus' kingdom wasn't going to come to fruition through manipulation. Instead, Jesus would say the most important things that you can do, the two most important things that you can do to affect God's slow-coming kingdom is to love God above all other things and to love your neighbor as yourself. A self-sacrificial, self-giving love towards other people. If we made a list, it would be God number one, others number two, me number three, perhaps. And Jesus was asking his followers to do that same thing, to enact that slow-coming kingdom by loving others, embodying that self-sacrificial love towards others. And I think that's where it gets hard for us, to live that out. Chuck DeGroat says this, people are profoundly complex both beautiful and broken, productive and paralyzed, fruitful and foolish. And that's what describes us. That's what describes all humanity, all people in the world. And when we think about how Jesus was working to enact His slow-going kingdom by, by interacting with the most available people, we could think about what, what are the most available people to us? Perhaps our neighbors. They're close in proximity. The, the neighbors, maybe not the ones that are directly in community, but also the neighbors that you work with. The neighbors that you call friends and meet for dinner. The neighbors that you say, yeah, bring your kids on over. The neighbors that you interact with in the grocery store. The neighbors, the neighbors that take payment when you go pump gas at the gas station. The available people that God has put in our life. The complex, messy, beautiful, and broken, fruitful, and foolish people that include ourselves that are just right there. How do we represent that self giving, self sacrificial love towards others when we think about those available people? Even though Jesus had the power, oftentimes he, he didn't focus on the quick fix. But instead, working within people's lives, not seeing them as problems or failures or the worst thing that they ever have done. Instead, instead he saw deeper. 
He saw them as an image bearer of God, someone who was representing God. And yeah, they were broken, but so would we all be. He would be sent to to give that self-sacrificial, self-giving love to, to slowly make change in people's lives. To slowly perhaps affect them for the better. Something that perhaps wasn't going to happen overnight for many of them. We think about the disciples and, and often how many times they, they failed. They failed to believe or they failed to understand what Jesus was doing and they spent nearly every day with Jesus for three years. It's because God's kingdom comes with a slow-going change. Relationship by relationship. It's not flashy. It just comes in those ordinary moments of obedience where we follow and live out God's self-sacrificial love by checking in with the neighbor that just lost someone. By, by reaching out to those individuals and and saying, hey, can I mow your lawn this week? That way you don't have to worry about it. Can I, can I watch your kids when I, I know you're, you're struggling and you're having such a hard time? Can, can I do that for you? Or maybe it's something entirely different. Maybe it's an example from yesterday. You find out your neighbor is going to pour some concrete. You know nothing about concrete, but you walk over there anyway to see what type of hand you can give to build that relationship, to show that self-sacrificial love that honors someone else above your own ideas, your own thoughts. What opportunities do you think would come our way if we lived our life Putting God first and, and putting others, our neighbor second, and then putting ourselves down on the bottom of that list. How would our neighbors experience those opportunities for us to care about them, to love them above ourselves, just as Christ loved us? So much so that He was willing to go to a cross to die on our behalf that we then would experience a new life. A new life that has been transformed by His self-sacrificial love that we may live in the same way. Because when we encounter Jesus, what happens is our, our selfishness is put to the side. Our, our ego, our desire for our own way is put to the side and, and we begin to take on that, that transformational, slow-coming kingdom mindset where we value others above ourselves. Where Jesus transforms our life that we would be those who could transform, infect the lives of others. Let us pray to the Lord this week, that He would work that within us, that He would work 
a, a value of valuing others above ourselves. That we would have nothing that would keep us from assisting someone else, but we wouldn't say, but I really was planning on doing this. I don't have time to help them. That we would die to self and rise to love our neighbor. Let us pray. Father, we, we know You've given us Your Spirit. A Spirit that empowers us for here our, our walk in this, this world. A Spirit that empowers us for each and every day for what You have in store for us. A power that has been derived by our belief in Christ that He is the only way. And so we we pray that as we go about each hour and each minute of every day that we would recognize Your slow coming kingdom comes through Your love as it did through Christ. And that we, as members of Your body, would adequately reflect that love to others that they too may feel valued. That they too may feel honored. That they too may feel welcome. That they too may feel Your love by way of our life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This time I invite the worship team forward.